Welcome everyone to the mightiest podcast in the nine realms, metas, and mutants. I am Tombstone the Dead Man, and this is my fellow Avenger, Super Psy Guy. What up? What's good, Super Psy Guy? Oh, you know, playing some Marvel Avengers, but I mean, you know that. We were playing <laughs> together. Yo, let me tell you. Uh, remember when we first started playing, and we was on that one, um, that one uh, zone, and I said, this was all, this is all I ever wanted. Yo, this is all I ever wanted. <laughs> like, it, like, it got better. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I think one of my favorite things about multiplayer is that you don't have to play with randoms if you don't want Facts. to. The fact Facts. that you can keep matchmaking closed and just invite people off of your friends list mm-hmm. to join you, and it'll fill the spots with the AI companions. That's right. That you don't fill up, you and don't that's have to like deal with no jackasses. Like oh, I don't, don't care to. about playing. Uh, I don't care about playing games with like random so much, Same. but a game like this where it's so heavily based on teamwork, Facts. I'd rather play on my own than with a complete random. I agree. Um, the chemistry. That shit means something, and and this game does heavily focus on the whole team aspect when it's all of you guys there. Because even when you're playing by yourself, the AI is really good at whipping ass. And I, unfortunately, they have not implemented any features in the game that would allow you to send one over to do this or sit like fancy. It would have been dope if before um when Black Widow say you're using Black Widow. And she gets towards one of those doors. If she doesn't have a way to open one of those big, heavy doors, she should at least be able to tell one of the AI, like the Hulk or whatever, and instruct them to go over there to do that shit. And I know that tech is possible because I've I've, I've seen this tech play out in other games before, older games. Yeah, so, no, that's actually something they said was unintended. They didn't think about that, and they uh, planned on uh, implementing that soon. Oh, dope. Because we need that. Because, like, their big thing is they don't want to punish you for picking a certain exactly, character type exactly, thing. Exactly, exactly. And certain missions don't have any heavy doors. Certain missions don't have any hacking doors. Right. Some missions have a bit of both. And it's like, okay, well. I guess I won't unless, get this. <laughs> yeah, it's like, unless an enemy happens to fight you in a power attack by an AI happens to be near that wall type thing. Mm-hmm. You're just boned. Right. Facts. Facts. But yeah, they said they planned on implementing a way to instruct AI to at least open doors if you, that you can't open. I mean, I would love for that. They need to do that. Um, also, they patched it up again, and my shit has overall been running smooth. Um, nothing seriously game-breaking. So, I figure a few more patches like that and um the game should be solid enough where i wouldn't i shouldn't have to hear as much bitching about it as i've heard in the last two weeks now mind you i'm trying i always try to be fair with that because i know what it's like to have your rig not running something well and it's frustrating after you didn't pay your money for it you was looking forward to it and then it's it's, it's kind of a, a shit show on your rig but that said um, the way some people were over overblowing a lot of this as if we haven't seen this precedent before with other games, you know, and they come in and they patch it. Um, 
also people not really making an allowance for the fact that there is a pandemic. A lot of these developers are working from home. So it's not the exact same um, situation as other developers have had before this. So yeah, some things are going to get are going to be a little bit later than others. Some things are, are may, they may drop the ball in certain cases, but this is the type of game that I was waiting for for a long time. So I'm gonna give them some time to patch it and get it right because again, Square Enix is not some little rinky dink company. They're a big company, you know? and they have a really good track record. Exactly. So don't believe us? Look at. The majority of the Final Fantasies. I was about to say. There, yep. there's, been, there's been very few Final Fantasies that you could say would be a flop. Facts. Facts. There's there's some that, like, you know, maybe... You might not like the story as much. You just might not like it as much. Right. But to say it'd be a flop is just an outright lie. Right. Right. And I think um, this game... Certain things we was doing just uh, yesterday in the multiplayer. This game has so much great about it and so much potential once they iron out certain little kinks and and of course you know once you start getting it's game of service which is another thing i think people don't really understand um the protocol is completely different with this than game as product a game as product means you would buy the game and it's complete that's it you bought the game, that's it, it's the entire game. And then, if it's shitty and fucked up, then yeah, alright. But games of service means they're constantly going to be adding things to the code. They're constantly going to be adding things. And anybody knows anything about, about coding or any small bit amount about development um, of games, you can sometimes add a code and, and something you added could break something else. And because they're constantly going to be adding things to this, you might experience from time to time some hiccups. It, it, it comes with the territory. It is what it is. Overall, I love what's there. The fact that Thor is not a weenie in this game. Come on, man. Like, no. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going for it. I think this shit is dope. And it's worth playing. And it, and right right now, it's like one of the only games I'm actually playing outside of um, No Man's Sky every now and then. So, that's it. You know? This is the game, my go-to game right now. And probably going to be that for a while. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good. So, um, anyway, let's get to these, some of these stories. Um, let me take the first one. All right. Um, Arrowverse Crisis on Infinite Earths footage was missing from DC FanDome. Hmm. Arrowverse's showrunner, Mark Guggenheim promised fans a fun surprise during the Crisis on Infinite Earths behind the scenes of the Arrowverse crossover panel at DC's Fandome. However, the surprise never came as the panel failed to air exclusive deleted footage. Although Guggenheim moderated the panel, he confessed to a fan on Twitter that he wasn't sure what happened to the scene's planned airing. They were supposed to show a deleted scene, Guggenheim responded, I don't know why they didn't. Guggenheim didn't elaborate further about the scene, the scene's whereabouts, so it's unclear if the footage was intentionally left out of the panel or who or what deleted the scene entailed. So um, they have a screenshot in the article of a tweet by uh, Mr. Guggenheim. It says, um, 
They were, they were supposed to show a deleted scene. I don't know why they didn't. Hmm. So, the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover tele television event, based on a comic book maxi-series of the same name by Marv Wolfman and George Perez, wolf characters from Supergirl, Batwoman, Black Lightning, The Flash, Arrow, and DC's Legends of Tomorrow together um, into a shared multiverse of stories, challenges, and triumph. That interconnected world was known as the Arrowverse, which is one of my, I think that's a true triumph of comic books on TV. And there's also featured cameos from characters in other DC-based shows, including Tom Welling as Smallville's Clark, Clark Kent and Urza Miller as the DC Extended Universe's Flash. At the end of Crisis, the shared worlds collapse into one universe that's been renamed by the CW, the CW-verse. Well, that's creative. Um, production on various CW superhero shows, The Flash, DC Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl, Batwoman, Black Lightning, and Superman and Lois has only just resumed following a stop as a result of the ongoing coronavirus, which cut seasons of the various shows short. The CW versus shows are expected to start airing again in January 2021. Now, before you go into that uh, comment on this, uh, Cyrus, give me one second. I gotta let some nosy ass cat out. Of course you do. Okay, so he's out of here. <laughs> All right, so yeah, this is actually, I believe, from the second part of Fandom, because mm -hmm. there was a second weekend, but it was heavily around uh, the future of their TV shows. Oh, okay. And instead of like the first weekend, which was really pushed hard, mm -hmm. that was all about their the future of their movie universe and they had the odd cameo from the TV stuff. This right. is this was all heavily TV stuff, all heavily their CW shows and even a couple of their cartoons and stuff. See, and you're right, they did not really uh promote that as heavy cuz I completely like missed it. Completely. Like I I remembered it like the weekend of mm -hmm. the event. Right. But like on the Sunday at the end after everything had already finished. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, I mean, you know, I don't understand why you wouldn't. I feel as though. Um, I think it's because a lot of the series are starting to end. Like, Arrow's over now. True. Supergirl's true. confirmed to be in their last season. Okay. Or, yeah, like, season six is going to be their last season. Mm -hmm. And I would not be surprised if. Like, the future of Batwoman's kind of up in the air yeah, after iffy. replacing the original actor. It's iffy right now. It's iffy. So, like, the only real long-running shows mm. are Legends of Tomorrow and Flash. Yeah, and we don't know how much more they're going to be able to do with... Legends of Tomorrow, because of the aspect of the show, they can do a fair bit with still. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But how much more can they really do with the Flash? Yeah, he's been around at for least a while. the Flash as it stands. Yeah, unless they shift 
the show over heavily to like Wally Wally. West or something like that. There's only so many times you can do a storyline where Flash finds someone faster than him. He has to find a way to get faster, come back, and then... Okay, now I'm back to being the fastest one there is. Oh, facts. There's only so much you can do, can do with, with that. that. Um, you know what? I would just a thought that something I would like to see. You know, they they ran that one season where his daughter came from the future. I would I wouldn't mind actually if they did a a series with her in it because I think it would the focus would probably be less on who's fastest. And it may be a bit more diverse diversity in like villains, so, which again you know, pushes us to our point of focusing on someone else. Yeah, yeah. as about what they could do. In which case, they wouldn't really call it the Flash. They'd mm-hmm. move on to what was her name? I forget what her name was in that series. Ah, uh, in the series, I don't remember. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like. But at that point, you're also it's basically called being a spinoff rather than the main thing. Right. Kind of like how, what Superman and Lois is. Right, right. Which so far hasn't even aired yet. So we don't know if it's going to get renewed past the first season or anything right. else. Like, so with so many of the CW shows up in the air, Black Lightning being Netflix and is the only one that seems reasonably safe to continue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I can kind of see why they don't want to push it too much but mm-hmm. they really should have yeah like this stuff as it is is still well done absolutely and probably the best thing out of dc in a while in a long as a whole while a long while by the way uh his daughter name was excess uh, excess yes yeah. um i wouldn't mind seeing her i thought she was a she was a nice addition because because when they um erased her from the timeline I realized I actually cared about her. And in order for a character to make me give a fuck about him, they have have to have done a good enough job where they seem like they should be there. You know, so that would be a good way to go. But I guess we will just have to see. Um, like you said, a lot of the the flagship shows are winding down. Um, so there's no telling exactly. Like, it's it's funny to me how they did the Crisis on Infinite Earth, and they blended all these together, which should, should in theory, um, extend the extend life, extend the life of, of the. And, and even if they was to um, put it in a, uh, put them all together and have a Justice League, CW Justice League show, I'd be down for that. Um, but um, it for everything to seem like it's just shutting down, closing down now. It's kind of funny because I felt like, oh, this is definitely going to extend. You know the content or whatever, but we'll just but have yeah, to like see. that's probably the biggest thing for that is the fact that with everything winding down, mm-hmm. Supergirl hitting her, getting announced her last season, unless it does extremely well in something, they decide to, hey guys, uh, did better than we thought. We're gonna extend right, it, kind of like how, right, 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 kind of like what happened with Lucifer, which is is fair, and yep. that was. Oh, really well done. I'm glad they. I'm glad it happened. You know, glad it happened. You know, but, and there's there's some shows that are actually worth continuing after oh yeah, even after oh they yeah. announce it. Absolutely. So maybe this will happen, but as a whole, with so much uncertainty and a couple of 
the older shows mm -hmm. straight up being over with now. Like, Arrow's already done. Yeah. We finished its yeah. last season here. Facts. I don't know. Yeah, that, I feel like that's kind of why they're just... Again, they're still trying to push their movies mm -hmm. at the same time as, you know, draw everything away from all their shows that are winding down because they they're all like seven to ten years. Yeah, they 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 they've been on for quite a while now. Um, like I think Arrow was like Supergirl's going into season six or something like something like that. Season six is its last one. It's either like going into season five and they have one more season planned or it's like going into season six. Right. Flash is like eight or nine seasons in. Arrow was ten seasons. Like it they have been going on for a while. It's just kind of a shame that they didn't really start crossing over until late in the game. On on a more significant basis. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, I kind of feel like guys like us, we never really get enough of this sort of thing. So, them shows, for for, for us, those shows could have went on for another goddamn few years. Ten years. And satisfied with that shit, you know. That's how we do. But, anyway, we, um, I don't know, man. Like, the fact that that shit was missing, I don't know if it was an oversight or it was intentionally done and didn't act like it wasn't or... Maybe there was some licensing issues. I I don't know what possibly it could have been, but hopefully they they might show it someplace else. You know, we might get to see it someplace else. So yeah, it's as long as it's still out there somewhere, it still exists. There's a possibility that we'll see it. But speaking of the CW, what's the next next uh, next, next up? up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have uh, CW's Superman and Lois taking place in Smallville. And supposedly features a really badass new suit. And of course, the picture it shows is not the new suit. But it's like, and this is again from the the CW fandom. Uh, Saturday's DC fandom got off to a slow start thanks to technical difficulties, but 502 and Gateway errors couldn't keep Superman and Lois Lane away for too long. During the Superman and Lois panel, executive producer, showrunner Todd Helbing and series stars Tyler Hoechlin and Elizabeth Tulloch weren't allowed to give too much away since they haven't started filming yet. But the actors have seen the first two scripts and were there were a few details Helbing was willing to divulge. The Superman and Lois series jumps off from this year's Arrowverse crossover crisis event which started with Lois Lane and Clark Kent parenting an infant, infant and after all the Earth-combining shenanigans, hmm. ended with the couple as the parents of two teenage boys. Helbing promises the show will feature a lot of set pieces and a lot of heroics, but as a couple, we really get to lean into Clark and Lois not being Superman and the world's most famous reporter. Hmm. But really, them as parents. What is it that, like, when you have jobs like that, adding that their fraternal twins will be polar opposites. We wanted to present two kids who had two completely different skill sets. Hmm. How do you deal with that as parents? Helbing also revealed that the series will take place in Clark's childhood town of Smallville and not the couple's usual home base of Metropolis. I'm not going to give reason yet, but the story of Superman has taken place in Metropolis for very long. Obviously, there was the Smallville series, 
but I came from a small town in the Midwest, and the town that I grew up in had a business leave that sort of affected everyone in the town. The town started to dry up, and it felt very current with recent years after 2008. So we wanted to tell the story of the parents after this tragic event moving back to Smallville and find that maybe it's easier to raise kids someplace where life isn't as hectic as Metropolis. Making life a little hectic will be Lois' father's General Lane. He's a very military guy, so he sort of looks at Superman like his soldier, and his relationship with Lois is a little fraught because of the way he took his job from when he was a parent. Versus the way Clark is doing his job. So all of that messiness is really fun. Clark's first love, Lana Lang, will also serve as a point of tension for the trouble. Or for the couple. I think it's an interesting dynamic as an adult how you deal with that relationship, said Helbing. Clarified that Clark will never have an affair on Lois. But she shouldn't know that, you know what I mean? <laughs> we don't want Lois and Lana brawling, but the dynamic as an adult is really interesting to me. Those feelings are impossible to ignore, and I think that's a real thing for some people, especially when kids are involved. And then to see Lana's husband and her kids in that dynamic. There's a couple characters that we invented, Kyle Cushing and Sarah Cushing, who get sort of wrapped up with the boys and they have their own love triangle. The panel concluded with Hochelin being asked if Superman will have a new suit on Superman and Lois, a question he quickly passed off to Helbing. Originally, you came on for the crossovers and that suit just wasn't built uh, for a sustained series. So there's going to be a really badass Superman suit and that I'm really excited about. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, that I got to admit, there was some definite flaws in the uh, suit when he debuted on um, the Supergirl thing. I looked at the suit and was like, eh, I don't know, dude. I don't know. But it does need a redesign. Um to get it, I don't yeah. know, closer to... No, the, I, you know. I agree, but I mean, at the same time, it was, like they said, it was meant for, built for cameos yeah, and limited appearances, yeah, which yeah. is, that suit was fine for, because it was the, it was almost recognizable, old school, iconic, rather than any of the more modern stuff, no, there was no modern take, it was all like, classic, straight blue, red cape, <laughs> The, the S symbol in the chest, like everything you need to and, recognize. And yeah, that, that is classic Superman. Superman. Plus, again, he wasn't when he was on the Supergirl um, series. He wasn't the priority. The priority no, was Supergirl. He, you know, so yeah, like they said, though it wasn't built for a sustained series. That costume was designed for you watch an episode and he appears. It's like, oh my god, that's oh, Superman. Look, it's Superman, right? And I had my issues at first with the um, actor playing it. And it was really for uh, superficial things. I didn't think he was tall enough. I didn't think he was big enough. But as I start seeing more of him on there, he did manage to nail the personality. Like, there are certain different personalities that different versions of Superman has. He nailed one of them. So I felt like, yeah, he feels like Superman now. But originally, when I seen him, I was like, this guy's too little. How is he Superman? <laughs> like, you know, but... but I'm just I, saying, I remember Hugh Jackman having a lot of the same problems yep. when he was cast as Wolverine. Oh, he's too tall. Right. Oh, he's 
he's not bulky enough. You know what though? At the time, I didn't even have a problem with. I, I the only thing I was concerned about was the face. I said, as long as he looks like him, that other stuff doesn't matter because I I, I thought about the the realism. Wolverine's what in the comic books? Five two. Five three, yeah, something like that. Five, five two and six hundred pounds. Who, who are they going to find to play? Like sometimes I feel like comic book fans. Like I, I feel like you have invested so much time in these uh, fictitious realities that you have a problem, like understanding what is possible and what isn't out here in actual reality. The fact is. Who the fuck was they gonna find this five foot three, six hundred pounds of muscle? Who and can act? Who, <laughs> who like that, that? You know, it's absurd. So I concentrated more on his face, and that very first scene in the, in the X Men movie where he he appeared on that, he was in that bar, and I saw that eyebrow go up, go up, and I looked at the hair and the side. I was like, okay, that's Wolvie, that's Wolvie. He looks like Wolvie right there, you know. So yeah. But, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, oh, well, he's not tall enough. He's not bulky enough. In this case, it's like, oh, man, he's not short enough. It was just, we weren't we weren't spoiled with superhero movies at that time. Exactly, so exactly. That's it was, true. there was complaints, but they weren't focused on every little thing wrong with him, where now it's, we have so many superhero movies, so many things going on, that everyone's like, Oh well, this isn't absolutely perfect. I might as well just quit. Oh, or not even engage with it at all. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know these people they get these out. They get look. This is a golden age for comic book IP outside of comic books. So because of that, there are a lot of these movies being made, a lot of these TV shows being made, and it's like y'all gonna have to account for the fact. That now it's not a rarity anymore. Now it's not a thing. Like you said we wasn't spoiled, and we was just happy to have it. But now they're all over the place, so it's going to change the dynamic a little bit. But I feel like um, comic book fans have to meet them halfway, and not have these unrealistic expectations. I mean, like <laughs> seriously. Okay, listen. You go to go out to California right now, and you're going to find your fair share of over six foot. Um, extremely well-built men that can play Superman, and a lot of them act. They're they're, they're waiters part of the time, but <laughs> that was part of the time they're out there acting. But to find somebody that's five two, stop it! <laughs> like they stop it, y'all a little out of control over there. A little out of control. But um, no, nah, I'm 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 quasi looking forward to the Superman and Lois, and I say quasi because. I was not the biggest fan of Lois, the Lois and Clark series, and I'm and I'm getting them vibes from this, and I'm hoping I'm wrong. Um, it was all right, but I don't know, man. It was something about the show that it didn't really do it for me. Dean Kane did, you know, he had the Superman vibe. Too bad he's a jerk off now, but he did have the Superman vibe back then. It was something, but maybe it was too much of a romantic comedy. I don't know. I don't know. But it was something about it that was a little off to me. But it was popular as fuck. So maybe this will be too. So I'm I'm looking forward we'll to seeing it. Yeah. So the next story. Tim Drake possibly replacing Damian Wayne as Robin. What? 
Tim yeah. Blake. Yeah, it's there's a chance if you followed along with the the ongoing Teen Titans run, which is coming to coming an to end, end right here. Yeah. Well, yeah. actually came to an end. I think it like just finished up its last issue or okay. its, like second last issue. Mm-hmm. It finishes off with Damien as Robin no longer. Wow. And basically him throwing everything off, calling Batman pathetic and weak. Wow. For refusing to do the for refusing to do the job the way it needs to be done. And wow. it's basically becomes uh Batman disbanding the Teen Titans. Wow. And then the rest of the Teen Titans and Batman versus Robin. Listen, far be it from me to uh, tell Batman how to do his job, but I mean, I would take maybe if he just... killed Joker. <laughs> just if saying. he killed Joker, maybe Jason Todd wouldn't have died. I mean, I mean, look, you know, I know, yeah, I know it's a hard job. It's a hard job indeed. But at a certain point, some things like how many people have the, has the Joker killed? Like he's killed a lot. Too of many. Yeah. Too many. Yeah, um, I'm just saying, bets. You know, not for nothing. <laughs> I'm just saying, you might have could have did that one for took that one for the team. So the article reads: um, Tim Drake and Damian Wayne may have both called themselves Robin to Bruce Wayne's Batman, but they are polar opposites at heart. While Tim has been a fan favorite Robin ever since his debut, Damian has proven to be much more divisive. It makes sense then, given their differing natures, that just as Damian Wayne quits being Robin, Tim Drake may be returning to the role. The two most recent Robins have been on opposite paths in their team books. In the pages of Teen Titans, Damian has distanced himself from those who care about him most. The trauma of witnessing Bane kill Alfred has made Damian take an extreme approach to crime fighting. Locking criminals under the Titans HQ and killing Brother Blood has given a permanent wedge between Damon and the Teen Titans. Things finally came to a head when the Teen Titans stopped Damon from killing KG Beast. That confrontation ended with Batman canceling the Teen Titans. The Teen Titans trying to and Teen Titans trying to bring Damon to justice and Damon renouncing Batman. As Damon ripped the emblem off his tunic, he quit being Robin. Meanwhile, Tim has only been growing closer to his teammates. Once Zatanna unlocked Tim's memories of his days in Young Justice, pre-New 52, Tim reunited with longtime friends such as Connor Kent, Cassie, Sandsmirk, and Bart Allen. This new iteration of Young Justice, now referred to as Young Justice League, would go on to grow closer as teammates and friends, teammates and friends as they hopped dimensions. Just as important as finding his friends again, though, was Tim rekindling his relationship with former Robin Stephanie Brown. Just as Tim forged his own path away from the from Batman by taking up the mantle, Drake, the latest issue of Young Justice ended with Tim becoming Robin again, much to the happiness of Connor. Though the two events have little to do with each other on the plot level, it's no coincidence that the two events are happening so close together. While many might first assume that these are both temporary changes, they might last longer than fans might think. They recently revealed Gotham Knights game, um, the recently revealed Gotham Knights game, features Tim Drake as Robin, signaling that DC wants people to think of him 
<coughs> excuse me, as Robin rather than Damon. As for why DC would want to make this change, fan response is possibly a large factor. Tim Drake is often seen as the best Robin, while Damian Wayne has earned the ire of fans, deeming him the worst to just as many, if not more. Damian does have his fans, with many even being upset at the direction he's taking the Teen Titans, but his arrogance has earned him a bad reputation. While all, all this bodes well for Tim, it does leave Damian in an awkward place. Of course, he could very well become Robin again, but his current direction is leaning towards him becoming more like Jason Todd than Dick or Tim. Who knows? DC could even plan to have Damien partner up with Red Hood and go by Tim's old title of Red Robin. Alternatively, Tim's return as Robin could be temporary, as DC can set up a new character to become Batman's sidekick. Though both Tim and Damien are going through radical changes, it is unknown where fans can expect to see their arcs continue. Both Teen Titans and Young Justice are being cancelled by DC, leaving these characters up in the air. No matter what happens to either, though, the legacy of Robin will live on. So, I liked Damien. I like Tim Drake. Same. They're two different types of characters. I think they bring two different type of things to the role. I don't believe for a single solitary second that Damon killing and doing that other shit is out of character. I don't believe it's out of character. I think it is a natural progression of someone that was raised by the Damon. <laughs> All right? Like, how much of that patty cake, super friends shtick was he going to actually swallow for real? so yeah you know like i don't think it's out of character i think that makes perfect sense to me for him to go that way and let's say he ends up um someplace else he might end up as an in a new identity and we might like that character a lot like seriously a lot so um i am not opposed to any of this Damien wasn't going to be your cookie-cutter, spandex-clad sidekick. Come on, y'all. Come on. No. He wasn't that in, in any way. It's not him. It's not him. He's never he's never presented as that. He's always presented with an edge. He's always presented with somebody that, yo, he saw things very black and white. Kill us, motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, you either did it or you didn't. Right. There was no middle ground. There's no middle ground. So, I'm not... Look, I'm not I'm not mad at that. I'm just not. I'm not mad at it. I think um I think it's dope. I think I can't wait to see what happens next. And we really don't know where we're gonna see him again, so I'm not sure about him being Red Robin, but if he does decide to do that, I think they might make an interesting duo. And yeah. it and it might make for an interesting um story when Batman and his sidekick, you know, have dealings with them, you know, so especially if they do have them team up with Red Hood. Exactly. So, I, Like, again, we don't know if that's going to happen, especially with the changes to Red Hood and the Outlaws being just Red Hood now. Right, right, right. We don't know what's going on, but like Damien would kind of fit in with the Outlaws pretty well. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe, maybe not so much with Bizarro, and Artemis isn't going to take his shit. No, not at all. The whole this is the mission, we get it done thing, yeah. what fits in really well with it does. how they've built that team. It really does. 
So, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because I see this next story. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it really wouldn't be another week here at Medicine Mutants without more Ray Ray drama. Dun, 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 dun. This time, Jason Momoa is voicing his support of Ray Fisher. Serious stuff went down on Justice League reshoots. Jason Momoa is standing by his co-star, Ray Fisher, and demanding a proper investigation into the reshoots of the 2017 Justice League film. Fisher made accusations about Joss Whedon back in July, when he posted on Twitter that the director's onset treatment of cast and crew of Justice League was gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable. Fisher added that Jeff Johns and John Berg enabled Whedon. This shit has to stop and needs to be looked at, Momoa wrote on social media. Ray Fisher and everyone else who experienced what happened under the watch of Warner Brothers needs proper investigation. I just think it's fucked up that people release a fake Frosty announcement without my permission to try to distract from Ray Fisher speaking up about the shitty way we were treated on Justice League. Momoa concluded serious stuff went down, it needs to be investigated, and people need to be held accountable. Fisher continued to put focus on his allegations against Whedon, Johns, and Berg in an August 12th Twitter post, which he said Johns threatened his career after he brought up his concerns with Whedon. According to Fisher, during the LA reshoots for Justice League, Jeff Johns summoned me to his office to belittle and admonish my and my agent's attempts to take grievances up the proper chain of command. He then made a thinly veiled threat to my career. This behavior cannot continue. Warner Media launched an investigation into Fisher's claims at the end of August, but the results of the investigation published in September only led to more tension between the parties. Warner Brothers said Fisher declined to participate in the investigation which the actor then denied. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Now Momoa is lending support to Fisher, saying that reshoots demand a more proper investigation than what Warner Brothers had carried out. And then it's just a tweet with what uh, Momoa had said with the hashtag, I stand with Ray Fisher. You know, I gotta say, um, the more I feel like this adds some credibility to his because why would Jason Momoa even get involved if something was some horse shit when he has his own career to worry about and things that he's doing? Um, why would he? So that adds credibility to it. I think the the issue we had with Ray Ray is that at least outwardly it didn't look like it looked like he made these accusations but wasn't taking it seriously when we started reading reports of him not meeting with the investigator and all that. But as as we said at the time, fairly certain, the investigator works for the company, so it's kind of like using the company's lawyer. You know what I mean? I like, mean, they, they did... The initial investigator worked for the company, mm-hmm. and he wanted this third-party investigator. Right. They hired that exact investigator, and then he refused to cooperate with him. Which is kind of crazy. Because he felt that that investigator was reporting to Warner Studios, not Warner Media, so why should I cooperate? Right. 
Right. So it's... And there are some fairly credible sources, Mm -hmm. regardless of your opinions on guys like... uh... Hold on a second. I I have it here. Okay. Uh, Regardless of your opinions on Kevin Smith... He uh, is fairly reliable is. within the community. That's true. He is. He is. And even he made some statements about, uh, that he had talked to a bunch of the the crew members. Right. Because, like, he may not necessarily keep in contact with a lot of the celebrity cast of stuff mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. of guys like Ben Affleck, who he's really close friends with. Right. But he does keep in contact with a lot of like camera guys, sound guys, VFX crews. Like those are the guys he regularly works with and associates with and talks with. Right. And he was saying like, he said like right around from the time when uh, Ray Fisher first made the claims that like he had heard similar things from the crew, but he never said it was really shitting on the people like saying you're trash, all this stuff. It was right, more, right, right, right. it was more trashing what Snyder had done saying Snyder's vision was stupid. And why would you do this? Why would you do this when mm-hmm. this is clearly the better way? It's like, okay. So, I, so he, he was saying like, it wasn't necessarily abusive, but it was unprofessional. Right. Right. And it's like, okay. So, I mean, there is a lot of, you know, evidence that, Whedon wasn't necessarily acting professional. The mm-hmm. extent of how abusive it was is up for debate, though. Facts. Facts. Given that this whole thing started because Ray Fisher didn't want to say booyah. <laughs> I still say, I stand by the fact that he should have just said it. Just say it's, it. The fuck, it's part of the it, It's his catchphrase, but it's yeah. like... That seemed to be the biggest issue for Ray Fisher, so makes it. Uh... I think it's Petty Murphy, and I will tell you why I think it's Petty, because Ray, you did not create that character. So, look, I get it. You probably went back, did your due diligence, and read comic book versions of him and that's great i'm glad you did that but most of the kids that are now adults remember him from the cartoon and in the cartoon he said that all the time all the time so and again it's not to necessarily take away from him because it seems there are legitimate grievances yeah absolutely absolutely Absolutely, but if this started... But the fact that it, it always seems to keep going back to the fact that he had to say <laughs> booyah because he felt it was discriminatory and detrimental, it's like, okay, man. Uh, that's a reach. Calm the fuck yeah, down. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a reach. Um, He just said booyah, man. That's like uh, trying to get a Luke Cage to not say sweet Christmas. Like, come on, man. Like, or, or, or Wolverine to not say bub. Bub. Like, listen, this is, come on, man. <laughs> and, and if you don't say it, it seems off. Kind of like how those whole X-Men series. Yes. He never calls Xavier Chuck. Never. He he never calls Xavier Charles. He always calls him Chuck. Yo, and that's the thing. Like, that's, 
it makes it feel it feels different. It feels different when when they don't do that. So you know, I don't know. I don't know if that would have. I don't know. I'm I'm pretty sure that wouldn't have saved the movie, but it would have went a long way into endearing um, his, his version character. to the people. You know, so I don't know. I, I <laughs> like I said. I, I do believe there are legitimate grievances, and same. more people stepping up about it definitely lends credence to that. Same, same. But given his whole initial complaint, or one of the things he initially complained about was being told he had to say booyah, yeah. makes it seem like the rest of it may have been unprofessional, but not necessarily something they wouldn't put up with normally yeah 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 yeah. i'm just saying you know uh, i I wish him all kinds of luck with that and i am fairly certain (laughs) that we will at some point be reporting again (laughs) on on ray ray so you know you know i haven't seen anything about him in a week or two so i mean maybe there it's coming maybe we won't have something next week maybe not next week but (laughs) The week after, most yeah. likely. <laughs> It'll be something. Um, but anyway, shout out to Jason for sticking up for his mans. That's what's up. Um, the next story, Marvel has cast Tatiana Maslany or Maslany. Um, I think it's Maslany. Maslany as She-Hulk. Um, Tatiana Maslany is set to play the lead role of the upcoming She-Hulk series at Disney+. Plus. Variety has learned from sources. The series centers on lawyer Jennifer Walters, a cousin of Bruce Banner, who inherits his Hulk powers after she receives a blood transfusion from him. Unlike Bruce, however, when she hawks out, Jennifer is able to retain most of her personality, intelligence, and emotional control. Reps for Miss Lanny declined to comment. Reps for Disney did not immediately respond to Variety's request for comment. Miss Lanny is perhaps best known for her role, her starring role in BBC America's drama series *Orphan Black*, which ran for five seasons between 2013 and 2017. Uh, just a quick note about that show: my wife used to watch this all the time. I still don't know who the hell she is. Miss um, <laughs> Lanny was nominated for three Emmys and a Golden Globe during the show's run, winning the Emmy for Best Actress in a Drama Series in 2016. She also recently appeared in HBO drama Perry Mason. On the film side, she has appeared in projects such as Stronger, Destroyer, and Pink Wall. She is rep by ICM, the characters, and Hanson Jacobson. It was announced earlier this week that Kat Koro had boarded She-Hawk as director and executive producer. She will direct the pilot and additional episodes of the series. Jessica Gao is writing the series and serves as executive producer and showrunner. She-Hulk is one of several Marvel series in the works at Disney+, Plus, with several others set to feature stars from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Falcon and the Winter Soldier and WandaVision are on deck first for debut later this year, where we found out that Falcon was pushed back. Um, and Wanda was pushed up, I believe. Um, yes. Followed by Loki in early 2021. Marvel Studios is also developing the series Hawkeye, Ms. Marvel, and Moon Knight as live-action shows. Um, again, I really don't have much of an opinion on her as uh, Jennifer because 
I remember the show off in black only because my wife watched it. Um, I saw, but I did see this. <clears throat> I saw some people complaining about her, the possibility of her playing She-Hawk, and it was the usual complaints. Something, something, her status, something, something, as far as height and size. I got to tell you guys, Jennifer Walters, as regular Jennifer Walters, is not some she's big, a normal strapping, person. she's a normal person. So, and if you think she's, if you think that Tati, Miss Tatiana is going to put green paint on her face, circa Lou Ferrigno in the Incredible Hog series of the 80s. <laughs> oh, God. You're seriously out of touch with what's what's happening, she'll be CGI'd out the same way that that uh, uh, Mark Ruffalo was. Calm the fuck down. All she needs to do is be able to act to play this role. She doesn't need to be six foot ten, <laughs> two hundred and eighty pound bodybuilder so she can get the green paint on and look really. No, no, not at all. I'm gonna need y'all to cut that out. That's not. That's not what's happening here, nor should that be your expectation. Or, you know, maybe they were expecting something more like when wrestler turned porn star China <laughs> right, right. did the parody of She-Hulk, right, you know where right. she wore the green body paint. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Okay. If, if that's what maybe were they expecting... were expecting that, but that, for anyone who's interested... Yeah. You could just go on Pornhub if yeah. you want that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Look, y'all need to calm down over there. Relax. Relax. This will be fine. Um, The only thing I think that we as fans should be worried about when it comes to this is, you know, getting society back to a semblance of normalcy um, as a result of this um corona thing. Because, listen, if this shit hadn't took place, Marvel was... Man, they was on a roll. We was going to get steady content. Con this is supposed to be a really dope fall. You know what I'm saying? And it's a little less dope because all the shit that happened and it's, they got to make adjustments. Um, but whatever the case is, relax. This will be fine. She's fine in the role as long as she can act. That's it. That's all she needs. Um, what's the next story? Stop is an article about the DC Universe app mm. moving to comics only in 2021. Wow. And it will be rebranded as DC Universe Infinity. Oh, man. DC Universe Infinity steps up with direct competition to Marvel Unlimited and seeds the DC film and TV series to HBO Max. Wow. DC Universe streaming service will be rebranded in 2021 as Universe Infinite with a focus exclusively on comic books. With the TV and film content, the service has accumulated the past two years becoming exclusive to the recently launched HBO Max streaming service. Marketed as the ultimate comic book subscription service, DC Universe Infinity will expand DC Universe's digital comic catalog to include the recently launched Digital First line of comics, new comics exclusive to the platform called DC Universe Infinity Originals, as well as a quicker six-month turnaround from a comic book's original release and its addition to this flat-rate digital reading service, which is on par with what Marvel does. 
which I have that, by the way. All of the comics will also be downloadable for offline reading as well. Yeah, that Our fans... Too. Yep. Our fans love the platform's robust library of comic books, and with the transformation, we will not disappoint, DC publisher, chief creative officer, Jim Lee says. I'm excited to share that not only will DC Universe Infinity members still be able to read all of the great comics that they've enjoyed, but new issues are debuting on the platform quicker than before, digital-first exclusives are being created, and the members-only events will begin as soon as possible. There's never been a better time to be a DC fan. DC Universe Infinity is scheduled to launch January 21st, 2021, with plans for an international rollout in summer 2021. So they're at least making it international, finally. Yeah, yeah. You know, two years too late. Yeah, and all the TV shows go on HBO Max and stuff, but all right, okay. Which is a whole different set of problems, mm-hmm. but let's just go. DC Universe Infinity Service will have more than 24,000 comics at launch. On the surface, there's not much more than the current DC Universe service, which broke 23,000 comics in May on May 12th. DC Universe Infinity will also keep the DC Universe community section alive and make it available even to the general public without a subscription. For those that signed up to DC Universe for the video content, HBO Max has a special price of $4.99 a month now through October 20th. The cost of DC Universe Infinity will be much the same as DC Universe, $7.99 a month or $74.99 a year, which equates to $6.25 a month. Those that are subscribed to DC Universe Infinity by February 1st, 2021 will receive a voucher for the DC shop, $25 for annual subscribers or $10 for month-to-month subscribers. And that's basically the end of that one. Okay, so so they're they they say they're making it the number one com- digital comic thing, <sighs> but from the sounds of it, it's basically putting it on par with Marvel. Yeah, which already has all these same functions they that the they're saying is new, features. and it's all stuff that Marvel's has been going from from the beginning. I have to say. The entire time that I have had a subscription with DC Universe, I have never, and the rock means ever, read a comic book on that site. I went there for the shows, the animation, and even the movies. So, look, I get it. I like the comic books too, but I'm I'm seriously sitting there contemplating if I'm going to keep my subscription just for the comic books because that wasn't the original reason why I got it in the first place. So I don't know. I, I got some uh, thinking to do on that for real because as problematic as the interface was, I got to admit, I liked having that. I liked having all of that video content right there, you know? And um, I already have HBO Max, so (laughs) what the fuck? Like, I don't know. Something about that has me feeling a little bit burnt for supporting that, and now it's turning into this. Like, dude, I got to be honest with y'all. All of your comics, they come out on other platforms for absolutely free. 
Now, there might be some new uh, bells and whistles that you could offer that those other sites don't. Absolutely. But just saying, just saying, one subscription I might do for a comic book company, but two, I don't know. I don't know. We will have to see. Um, but anyway, moving on. Uh, in a release date shuffle, WandaVision is um, to release before Falcon and Winter Soldier. Talked about this a little bit earlier. So, um, Marvel Studios is shuffling up its lineup of Disney Plus series, moving WandaVision ahead of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. WandaVision reteams Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bethany as their uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe characters, Wanda Maximoff and Vision. The latter died in Avengers Infinity War and was not among the many MCU characters revived in the follow-up, Avengers Endgame. Disney Plus released the first trailer for WandaVision on Sunday during the Emmys on ABC and announced that it would be the first to hit the streaming platform. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which only this week resumed production, will now presumably premiere in 2021. Production was halted in the spring by the coronavirus pandemic. We've heard this, of course, before, y'all. Um, the Falcon and Winter Soldier stars Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan as Sam Wilson Falcon and Bucky Barnes Winter Soldier. It is also set to see the return of MCU actors Daniel Brawl and Emily Van Camp. Russell Wyatt will also star as John Walker, American Patriot. Along with Bethany and Olsen, WandaVision will feature the debut of Tiana Paris as the adult version of Monica Rambeau. See, this, that's, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. Kat Dennings, Randall Park, and Katherine Hahn will also be part of the series cast as well. Again, I'm looking forward to that. I'm glad Kat Dennings isn't going to get tossed out in the wash because she's no longer on the Thor, and the Thor, they have no space for her in the Thor movies, but she's still a character in the universe. That's dope. The other series from Marvel Studios are Loki, Hawkeye, the animated What If, Ms. Marvel, Moon Knight, and She-Hulk. Orphan Black Star, Tatiana Maslany, which we talked about uh, earlier, was tapped to portray Jennifer Walters' She-Hulk. Yeah, so... I mean, nothing too much to discuss there. Not it's just really. They hadn't finished production on Winter Soldier, and they're already well into post-production on yeah, WandaVision. it makes sense. I know some people so are a little with, salty, with but... So, things are... You switch it up, it's like, cool, WandaVision comes out first because we can actually have it out this year. We can have it out this year. Winter Soldier, we might be able to get it out this year, but it'll be tough, and we're not sure if it'll happen or if it'll be a good product. Yeah, you don't want to sacrifice quality, which I I don't blame them at all for that. Um, When you've been gone, took this little forced hiatus for as long as they did, you don't want to come back with stinkers. You know what I'm saying? So... Because uh, you, you set up a couple of bad things given how the economic situation right. is. That can sink a company that can sink at this a company. point. That's a fact. People that are checking everything out before they're spending money on mm-hmm. things. So, mm-hmm. well, I imagine Disney itself would survive. You don't necessarily want to ruin the new content you're putting out, the yeah. original content you're putting out. Absolutely. Let's not do that. Um, but on the upside, at least uh, the actors all seem to be having some good fun. I mean, Anthony yeah, Mackie yeah. and them like seem to really get along. 
And and that's important. Um because I love the chemistry between those two in the first place. So yeah, Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackey are just hilarious. hilarious and they they play off each other so well. Mm-hmm. If you watch any of the media tours, like the oh, two yeah. of them are always together. Oh, They're yeah. always joking around, making fun. There's there was even one where it was the two of them and uh Tom Holland. And they were just ripping on Tom Holland <laughs> the whole time. Hilarious. A- Anthony Mackie always comes up with a juice box for him. It's like, here you go, kid. <laughs> you know? And, like, they're just always ripping on him. But, like, they seem to, like, genuinely be friends. And that that actually makes me looking forward to this Same. even better. Like, even more. Because the fact that they're genuinely friends, or at least appear to be, mm-hmm. And they're coming back with a, a show where it's basically them as a buddy cop movie. Right, right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, right. If, if you have that friendship, it's going to make everything in there seem so much more real. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it makes you feel good when you see a cast that gets along. I know when I watched a video of, you know, Robert Downey Jr. used to have those lunches. And I watched a video, some video on YouTube that has like footage from some of those lunches and yo, they like, they having a good ass time. They're like, they all friends. They, that oh, yeah. helps when you watch the movie and you see them in roles. Like, yo, this is what I expect from, from the Avengers is team is, is, is family. And again, yeah. I remember Anthony Mackie talking about it and he's, he said like, you knew you were officially part of the crew when Robert Downey Jr. Invited you to his trailer Thanks. for lunch. <laughs> Facts. You gotta love that sort of stuff. And again, and it know. wasn't just the actors though. He was known for inviting like the camera guys, yep. the sound yep. guys, stuff like that. He invited everybody to his. That's just how Robert. You, is. you gotta remember though, like Anthony or, or uh, Robert Downey Jr. Everyone had one trailer. Robert Downey Jr. had like four. Facts. Facts. <laughs> and he had it set up so like he basically had his own gated community. Well, he's but, the like, godfather of that shit, so... But, yeah, like, his his lunches would just be these massive buffet spreads. Oh, dude, you should... I, I'm gonna find everybody that one. in there. I'm gonna find that video on YouTube and share it with you. I think they had mostly... He had most of the, the women's staff this time. Um, Okoye and all the rest of... Yo, dude, it was it was. Oh, dope. yeah, the, the Endgame one, I mm-hmm, think it was. Mm-hmm. Or... No, was, no, that one would have been Infinity. The Infinity, War, it was Infinity, yep. Mm-hmm. It was dope, man. Like they like they was having a good time, and it made me feel like, damn, why aren't I there? And then I remember, yeah. oh, they're not an actor. <laughs> oh, I'm just not famous. That's yeah, all. Yeah, right. We yeah. gotta solve this. Right. So, something's got to give because I need to be where they are. Oh, for sure. So, what's this next story? The next one is MCU movie release date shuffle. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Black Widow has been announced is now delayed to 2021, making it the first year since 2009 without an MCU movie. Yeah. Because Iron Man was 2008, Incredible Hulk was 2010. A dubious distinction at best. So, this is an unfortunate thing, and like, especially since this was even before the pandemic, this yeah. was the only Marvel movie set to come out this year. Yeah, yeah. Which would make it, again, the first year since the modern MCU. 
right. without three releases. Right. Because they're usually good for a spring, a summer, and usually a late fall, early winter release. Yeah. So, in a predictable fashion, Disney is delaying Black Widow to 2021 as the company continues to navigate the current theatrical landscape during the COVID-19 pandemic. Marking the first time since 2009 that an MCU movie has not been released in a calendar year. Black Widow will now open May 7, 2021, more than one year after it was originally scheduled to be released. Because it was supposed to be early this year, and then it got pushed to summer, then it got pushed to fall. Yeah, then it got pushed all the way out the year. Yeah. Like other Marvel delays, Black Widow's new date pushes Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings back from its May 7th, 2021 release to July 9th, 2021. Eternals, which was supposed to follow Black Widow, is moving from February 12th, 2021 to November 5th. Damn it. And then a number of other Disney films, including West Side Story and The King's Man, were also moved around as part of the shuffle, but not necessarily because of the MCU shuffle. Right. Black Widow follows in Wonder Woman 1984 steps, which Warner Brother delayed from December 25th to October 2nd release date, in hopes that more theaters would be open and audiences more likely to go. Huh. The delays come after Tenet's lukewarm debut in the U.S., where it opened to just $20 million earlier this Ooh. month, largely because theaters in major cities like L.A., San Francisco, and NYC this are still closed. I knew this would happen. It's like, the thing is, is Warner Brothers sees Tenet's success as a long game, meaning executives want to wait several weeks before judging its performance. And everything I've heard about Tenet is that it is really good. Same. It is absolutely something you Same. want to see. Same. It's just, you have three of the largest cities in the United States with zero theaters open. Yeah. Unfortunately, you're not going to have a good box office it's debut. A fact. It's a fact. It just and is. even a lot of the smaller cities and medium cities don't have theaters open or only have limited things where it's like, mm-hmm. cool, that Cedar Theats or that theater seats 100 people, it's now only seating 30 people. Right. It's like, unfortunately, you can only make so much money off of doing that. Exactly. That doesn't bode well for other studios, especially huge money makers like Disney with high budgets and marketing spend. Which, again, you can argue this, because I, I believe uh, SPJ and Adequate discussed this on fellow multi-world entertainment podcast let's discuss disney plus Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, where they mm -hmm. actually talked about even with marvel's movies makes up something like only five percent of disney's income yep that's right it's all based everything they do basically turns out to be just marketing for disneyland and disney world (laughs) where they make like 90 percent of their money like I think it was something like Lucasfilm, so all the Star Wars stuff, including the books and everything else, right? and Marvel, studios and comics, right. combined for something like 7% of their income. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's... So, I mean, to say it's like, it's a huge moneymaker, like, it does make a lot of money. But, but comparatively... But comparatively, yeah, yeah. Disney does not really make money off of movies and stuff. Those movies are not going to make and break 
their their uh bottom yeah, line. It's, yeah, no. The House of Mouse has explored a few different options, while movies like Hamilton and Artemis Fowl went to Disney Plus as regular streaming exclusives. They've also built premier access digital purchase shelf with Disney Plus for Mulan, where you could pay $30 to buy it Mulan on top of their $7 monthly budget, and they get access to watch it ahead of time, unlimited amounts of times ahead of time before it eventually becomes free. Yeah, my wife did that. She hated it. I'm I'm going to wait until it's free. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's even because even the animated one, I didn't, I liked it, but it wasn't one of the ones I would have gone out of my way to see. So it's like, I'll wait until it's free and I'll, I'll judge it then. Mm -hmm. Cause I imagine that's, I know some of the stuff Mm -hmm. complaints about it have all been because of geopolitical purposes. Oh yeah. It's like, oh, we want a Chinese actor. They get an actual Chinese actor. It's like, well, we meant Chinese American. (laughs) No, you said you wanted Chinese. They got an actual Chinese actor from China. Deal with it. And like that, that's that was a lot of the complaints. And it's like, okay, well, you know what? We're not really going to touch that here. But it's like, yeah. And then like, I imagine a lot of the other complaints are. It was a decent movie, but I spent thirty bucks. I expected more, type thing. Yeah, and my wife had other ones too. Just I don't know. She, she, she didn't feel like it just represented. Um, it, it, she felt kind of the same way we all felt when we watched The Lion King. Uh, that they did the CGI instead of the animation. It's certain things that she doesn't feel like it captured. So it lost some of its. Yeah, charm. it lost some of it. That's fair. I mean, a lot of these live-action ones didn't necessarily capture the charm, but that could also heavily because of the nostalgia factor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's something you can't really factor in for. A a lot of people who never saw the original ones, didn't grow up with the original ones, Mm -hmm. love the new ones. Yeah, they didn't have anything to reference. Mm -hmm. People who grew up on that stuff, it's like, you know, it's like, it was good. I enjoyed it, but I don't know. You know what the main issue was? I know with with Lion King was that by them taking the CGI route, um, they decided not to give the animals facial expressions. So when they were singing those songs and doing all of the the lines, part of acting and making something believable to a audience is that part of the facial expressions when they're saying the things that make it believable as part of acting as they decided which I understand why they didn't do it these are animals you know whatever but animals don't talk they don't sing so you know you might I yeah. feel like that what would have saved it if they gave those the animals uh, facial expressions I think that would have saved it I really yeah. do and again that's something that's more of an animated thing rather yeah. than what they've been going so it's yeah. You want to criticize them, but at the same time, it's like, I, I get where you're going. Yeah, I, I see why they did it, but, yeah. It's weird. All right, so let's get on to the actual topic at hand, which is a continuation of last week's episode. Comic book tropes. In this one, we're moving, we still have a couple of the old school, like, ones that 
are kind of annoying, but we're moving into a couple ones that are a little more common, but still sort of annoying, but not necessarily <laughs> a trope of being annoying in themselves. Right, 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 right. So uh, that first one uh, you have on the list is Passing of the Legacy, Walking Away from the Life. How many, yeah, you know, the how many times common that? ones of, yeah, like you saw it a bit in what is it, Spider Man No More? Uh, yep, yep. That that story arc where Peter Parker throws his uniform, he throws the spider suit into a trash can, walks away, and you kind of even saw it in the Amazing Spider Man series in the second movie. Yep, where he he does it, he walks away from it walks away from the life, throws it all out, and then six months later, <laughs> he's back on his bullshit exactly. because he couldn't stay away. Exactly, exactly. Or even, again, passing of the mantle. Batman passed on being Batman to Azrael. Yeah. Then took it back. Yeah. Then passed it on to Nightwing. Then took, took it, it back. back. Then passed it on to Jason Todd. Mm. Then Good took back. it back. And it's like, it, it takes away from some of the gravitas of the situation. It does. When it does. it's just expected. It's not, like, technically when Azrael got it, it made sense. Because it was right after Bane broke the bat. Right. He broke his spine. He was out of commission. He wasn't going to retire type thing. But he couldn't do the role. So, like, that kind of made sense when he took it back like yeah. when he gave it to Nightwing, it was I'm retiring. I'm done. This it's is over. this is for you. Right. It's finished. This is what I trained you for. And then he just takes it back six months, you know, six months later, a year later. We've seen it with Captain America a couple of times, where passes it on to Bucky, passes it on to Falcon. Because they've both been Captain America for extended periods. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. in in some of these cases, it's a bit different. Like when X-23 became Wolverine, it was because Logan was dead. dead. Yep. He was dead. Yep. And they actually kept him dead for like four years. Oh, yeah. He was gone for five years. Like he, he was gone. He only just recently came back last year. Exactly. Exactly. And like the whole reason she was Wolverine was because he died. She took up her father's mantle. Right. You see And this... then like as soon as he came back, she was like, This is yours. This is yours. I'm, you I know. kept your legacy alive, right. but this is yours. Exactly. It was never meant to be a passed on thing. So like that one hers. Right. some of them make sense that they pass on and then give it back. Right. But like how many times have you seen a hero retire? Only to just come right back. And sometimes they'll come back because there's some threat and they feel like, hey, I gotta uh I'm the only one who can deal with it. it. Maybe it's a thing where the more creative writers might try to say that the reason the threat is here is as a result of actions that the hero took. So now he feels he feels responsible and he has to go and stop it. Um we've even seen it recently in video games with the Marvel Avengers game. You have um Thor putting the hammer away, just literally putting it right there at that little in Avengers Park. 
And he only picks it back up. Next time we see him, how many years later? Four or five years later? Next five time, years later. Next time we see him, he's walking around with a Donald Blake tag shirt. <laughs> because there's some action happening and he's got to be involved with it. It's because it was something that involved the Avengers. Right. And he even makes a comment about it. It's like, I've been going around fixing mis- our mistakes, mm-hmm. fixing our problems without fighting. Mm-hmm. He had actually become a full-on doctor and started healing people, right. helping people. Right. And, like, he was kind of annoyed that he was called back to actually fight. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he enjoyed the fight well, because well, yeah, he's, he's, he's Thor. Yeah. <laughs> he, he likes to fight, but the, he was annoyed that he had to fight given the situation in the storyline in the game. Right, right, right. So, you know, these these type of tropes, this type of trope has been used successfully and it also has been, like most of them, they've been used in ways that's like, man, stop it. Very cheap, very yeah. cheesy. But that's the same as of all these tropes. Um, the next one, disappearing characters. Oh yeah, that's we all we've all seen it where a character just kind of disappears and is either never to be seen again mm-hmm, mm-hmm, or'll mm-hmm. just show up randomly five years later or right. six years later, <laughs> yeah. like, oh right. hey. One of the ones that stands out to me was I was a huge fan of the Loki Agent of Asgard series. Me too. And in that series, he actually gets involved in a relationship. Right. And part of the reason he was so uh, into this relationship mm-hmm. was the fact that the girl he was seeing, despite being an ordinary mortal, right, had this weird ability to tell, no matter what, if someone was lying. Right. She was able. She couldn't watch TV because. Everything that happened in t- in the TV, she was, wasn't was able to get into it because she could see every little aspect of it that was a lie. She could see every aspect that was not a whole truth. Right. And it, she couldn't watch movies or TVs. And Loki's illusions did not work on her because she could not see lies. And that was part of why they got together. And then mm-hmm. at the end of the run... When he's back to being like the god of stories rather than the god of mischief and evil, right? He ends up uh, saving her from the because this was going into Secret Wars, mm-hmm. like the Doom World one, where all the universes got destroyed. He ends up saving her by basically taking her out of reality. Yeah, yeah. Into his into his ring, out of reality. Right. And I think that was like the last we saw of her. And like, mm-hmm. she was a fascinating character. Oh yeah. And oh, it's yeah. like, man, what's going on here? Why is it's like, why are we not seeing anything else? Like, why is she not back? She was a great character. Mm-hmm. Despite not being powered, she kept Loki in his place. Right. <laughs> kept him honest to an extent as Facts. much as you could keep Loki honest. Facts. And it's like, yeah, she's just gone all of a sudden. It's like, where did these characters go? And that's not the only one. Every character has some of these characters that just disappear. 
we never yeah. see again. Never see them again. They they were there. They were some part of the reality of the character and had some sort of relationship with the character. And then all of a sudden, Poopow be gone. No explanations, really. Um, it's kind of a, a, almost similar to the uh, Chuck Cunningham syndrome uh, where they just retcon him out. <laughs> like, just retcon him out and you don't even... Because that, that's a version of it too where you have a character that had some sort of significant um, interaction with the main character and then, I don't know, maybe the writers wrote themselves in the corner or maybe they was going in a different direction. They didn't include them and they just... just it's almost like the character never exists and that incident between them never took place. Um, so again, it's like the rest of these tropes you got sometimes when, it, when they do it, it's not horrible. I think with this one though, this doesn't have as many good examples. This is one where it's, I can name one example that was kind of a good example mm-hmm, 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 and mm-hmm. it's, it's a recent thing. And that was Fantastic Four disappearing at the end of Secret Wars. Oh, yeah. That's because they were basically, well, outside of Thing and Human Torch, who were still on Earth. Right. Reed, Sue, Valeria, and Franklin Franklin were basically rebuilding the multiverse. So we're just gone from comics. I thought that was a dope ending. That was a dope ending. that, that, That was, but that's probably the one yeah. of the only examples facts. I can think of that was a good example. Facts. Facts. Absolutely. Like most of the times they just disappear and it's like, what happened? Even a, a big name, like a lot of times it's smaller names, side mm-hmm. characters, supporting characters, right. minor villains. Right. But sometimes it is a larger character where look at Juggernaut. He mm-hmm. only just got. Yep his uh first comic where he's appeared in in a long ass time in like three or four years yeah it's been a long time and given how much emphasis they're putting on the x-men and the x franchise and everything Mm -hmm. he only just got a mention just got a comic and it's like it's kind of weird and it's like dude he's a major character he's interacted with everybody yeah he he's fought all of the Avengers at various yep, points. Sure he's fought has. all of the X Men. He's fought alongside he's fought, all of the X Men. Spider Man. He's fought, like like he's he, yeah. He's got a. It's like, and again he's fought alongside the X Men. Mm-hmm. He's fought alongside, you know Excalibur and all yeah. that stuff. He's he's been a hero. He's been an agent of Shield. Yeah. He's also been a Brotherhood. One of the brotherhood of evil mutants he's Even been he's not a mutant yeah 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 so it's, it was just kind of weird that they just dropped him and you never heard anything from him in like four years there basically was, put him in limbo there was, was like funny. one brief appearance at the start of the thor run yep and that was a when, horrible uh, that was horrible and and that horrible. was when before thor was even worthy to pick up mjolnir again right this was like it was that the start of the the unworthy Thor run after the Thor goddess of thunder where Jane Foster was Thor. So like this is three, four years without an appearance. And and I think because they, um, they really show him in in anything often 
this is where you get writers who have serious plot holes. Like when in that one where he appeared in, in the Thor comic, there is no way Thor was supposed to win that fight. Considering the fact that when we last saw Juggernaut, his power level had increased. Sidorak gave him even more of his power. And to the point he was he was so unstoppable they had to literally battlefield remove his ass. And then to see Thor, who was clearly at that point minimized because he was no longer worthy of the hammer and he had all these different uh, inferior hammers because uh, Uru was a depleting resource. So it was hard, you know, they, they, they was blending it with other metals and it wasn't to the same level of power as Mjolnir was. So he didn't even have the weapon, mind you, he didn't have the weapon that he had the one time before when he fought Juggernaut and Juggernaut pretty much stalemated his ass. And he had Mjolnir. They fought a couple of times. And I, I, I recall it was one of those times Loki did some shit that caused um, Juggernaut to have even more of a power boost. So when Thor God blasted him, he ate that shit. He ate the God blast. And that's what Thor, full, basic Thor, full power with the, with the hammer. And he didn't have that. And he lost. Juggernaut lost eventually. And I'm like, right very quickly too i think that happens because you know these characters disappear they're not shown often enough writers don't really a lot of these writers don't have the uh information about the character and power since they maybe have a basic one and go oh sure um thor buries juggernaut and these hammers and that'll that'll do no that won't do not for someone that knows the character like thor to be honest thor should have got his ass whipped in that <laughs> He should have got his ass whipped. But uh, the other one, um, the sliding timeline. Oh, yeah. You know, again, look at Batman. Started off, it was supposed to be like 1930s. Yeah. And then it's like 1950s and 60s. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Then it's like, oh, his origins... and early 2000s now it's straight up just modern day yeah yeah and like batman doesn't really seem to age despite the fact <laughs> that all his robins except for damien are full-ass adults grown-ass grown men now and shit right right and he's still what 30 <laughs> yeah he's it's like 30 like man what but, are what are you doing you know what it is right They're... and then recently mm -hmm. um marvel for example uh shifted everything because you gotta remember they have a lot of characters yeah. who were involved in the vietnam war yep punisher is a vietnam war yep. vet. Yep. uh nuke was a vietnam war yep. vet Yep. Wolverine was involved in there, but Wolverine kind of gets a pass because of the whole I age incredibly right incredibly long life and healing factor thing. Right. Nick Fury was there. Yep. Iron Man was an advisor. Yep. Mr. Fantastic was an advisor yeah. for the US military in the Vietnam War. Yeah. And there there's a lot of other characters involved there too. So what they've done is instead of constantly shifting, it's like, oh, it was Vietnam War, then it was the first Iraq war. And then it was the Afghan war. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like now they're moving it on to what they call 
the Sin Kong conflict. <laughs> it's basically a, a fictional country. Yep. That's being used as a general stand-in for Vietnam. Right. It's that. It's that same kind of almost jungle environment mm -hmm. still located in asia in that same region same mountains forests jungles everything else right and because it's a fictional country and it's not referencing a real event there's no longer it's not a date. It's, yeah it's no longer a chain to a date so it's not just characters from like Vietnam War, but there's characters that were possibly involved with World War II that are being retconned to the Sin Kong conflict. So that way that you're not dealing with a character like Punisher who would, in modern days, if you took his original stuff, be in his late 70s. Yeah, he'd be an old ass man now, talking about it's not, and as, it's not Punisher. As much, <laughs> as much as Punisher's a badass, I'm sorry, in his late 70s, he would not be nah, ripped dude. like that. He would nah. not be taking hits like that. Hell no. And and honestly, this it's one thing. When you use characters that have uh, don't really have powers that you can use to explain away their long life, yeah, when you attach them to actual events you basically date them. You date them. So now people go, wait a minute, Vietnam was a long time ago. How he fighting Vietnam? And he's still the strapping middle-aged man now that can throw grown-ass men across the room and, and has reflexes to dodge bullets and, 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 and it still has the eyesight of for the aiming to be able to shoot at 70? Nah, B. Yeah. Nah. And like, we also forgot to mention uh, War Machine. James Rhodes fought there. Yep. So did Bank Grimm as an Air Absolutely. Force pilot. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. So what, and I believe there's even a few other guys like uh, uh, Swordsman, I believe, was also there. Mm -hmm. And he was an Avenger and was actually still involved in the recent major event of Empire. So oh, yep. what they've done yep. is they, they did a brief map and it basically shows Sin Kong next to China, Laos, and Vietnam. Like it just a small bit that looks like it was a little bit of taken out of each of those countries to form this still a fairly small country, but yeah. it like barely touches the water and spreads a little bit over to basically where the Laos and Vietnam border is. Right. And that's basically it's like so it's still that region, so you still have references to like naval battles because there is that little bit that touches that the gulf there there's still got the forests the mountains it basically covers all the same area so right everything else written you just have to assume if it says vietnam is actually sing kong right and again it's a smart move to do um probably should have thought of it earlier <laughs> uh, but i'm sure once uh People of my generation kind of die off. Um, the the newer people that are still reading these stories won't even have that connection anymore. But let the record show. We know y'all was talking about Vietnam. <laughs> um, the well, that, that thing, it was straight up meant to be a Vietnam stand. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The fact that they've worked in a couple of heroes who were World War II vets. Yeah, yeah. Being 
being a vet is the big thing, not necessarily being a World War II vet. Exactly. Allows them to sort of slide it into here. And because the Sing Kong conflict doesn't have an actual date. They never have to worry about it. They, it's all, it, it's always just recent enough to be valid, and these guys still the age they are. Right, right. Um, so the next one is the absent-minded professor. We've seen this a hell of a lot. Like, I mean, with villains as well as heroes, we we've seen this with young young geniuses, like kid geniuses. Yeah. like we've seen this trope a lot, man. And again, look at Batman, for example. He'll just be doing something just for some reason, despite having everything in front of him, is just so absent-minded he ignores the one thing he needs (laughs) to solve everything. Right. Reed Richards does it. Peter Parker does it. Kurt Connors, who became the Lizard, has done it. Dr. Octopus, Green Green Goblin, even if he's not necessarily a genius, has done He's still not stupid, and he's done things. You don't even necessarily have to be a a genius to have this Facts. kind of trope affect you. Facts. And it's it's just so annoying when a character whose whole thing is he's super observant and can see all this stuff. But he missed this small and detail. And then just in order to make this whole storyline work, they just happen to miss the one thing, whether yeah. it's a small thing or a major thing. They just miss it's the one thing, device. even though it's in front of them yeah, the whole a, time. It's the same thing they use for why uh, a lot of these villains, like the Tinkerer and all of them, they, they're supposed to be brilliant. Like the, even the leader, supposed to be brilliant. But they always overlook that one thing that allows them to be beat. So it always happens. Matter of fact, they would pull similar stuff with Doom early on. Pull that saying, and it's like no, but he's he's in many ways superior to Reed Richards and all of them. He shouldn't. That shouldn't have been with Beetle. But a lot of times, these writers create these characters and they write the curtains in the corner. Go, we need a way out of the corner because they're not meant to win in this story. They're not meant to win. All I a classic example. So there's a period in Doom's uh, uh, timeline. Where after um, Thor basically had that beef with Sin, they fought in on Asgard when he brought Asgard down to Oklahoma. They destroyed Asgard. Asgard was fucked up in the game, right? So there was a a portion where they didn't really have any place to kind of go, and some of them agreed to go live in Latveria with Doom. And Doom was experimenting on these motherfuckers. Now, anybody that knows Doom knows that if he can get an Asgardian, dissect him, and figure out what makes him him, there's going to be problems. You're You're not going to be able to just come in there and hammer your way through this problem. Because Doom is not just a scientist, but he's a sorcerer. And, and Asgardian, a lot of their makeup is based around magic. So instead, what they do, instead of them having Doom, who would have had a much more complex plan than the plan he had, simply to create a version of his armor that was like the Destroyer armor. No, 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 no. Listen, 
Doom, if possible, Doom would have siphoned a bit of the Odin force from these 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 creatures. Some the thing that the the the, the, the energy signature that makes them that, and he would have increased his power many times. For, no, instead they made him make some armor, some armor with it. And he winds up fighting Thor, and he kind of gets hammered. And it's like, he would have did something a lot more sinister with that information. <laughs> a lot more sinister. He had their bodies vivisectioned up inside his lab. Like, come on, man. That's it? That's it. He made armor with it. So, yeah, you know, it's a way to, um, I don't know, especially when it comes to villains that's supposed to be brilliant or whatever it's a way to give them a weakness that they wouldn't ordinarily have it's in order for them to get beat a plot device you know um the next one character appearance change depending on the artist like how many times do you have a character who mm-hmm. looks one way <laughs> and will look that way and the next artist takes over and they still look very similar. Yes. Like they look pretty much the same or like outside of artistic differences yes. type thing. Yes. And then a third artist takes over and they look completely different. Man. And it's like, this isn't even recognizable. Dude. I remember, I forget which, um, which issue this was, but it was an Avengers book. And I forget the artist, but he drew all of these, even the characters that are traditionally big and bulky, they looked extra slim. He built them like they were, like, you know, swimming athletes that that swim. Like, Thor looked emaciated. And I'm going, you know, Thor's a big guy. He's like 6'5", 6'6". Uh, 800 pounds because his skin is a lot denser, his bones and stuff is denser than humans. He's a he's usually portrayed as this big, stocky dude, and he looked like he was about to get on the swim team for the Olympics and shit. Like, what the fuck is this? No other Wait. artist draws him like this. Yeah, and there's also times where you see like Spider Man, who's traditionally more slim and slender, yes. like not not necessarily emaciated, right? But slender slim like constantly very agile yep yep. and then you'll see a run where it's like he's still like slimmer than a lot of the other characters mm-hmm. but it's like dude looks like he's, he's 200 pounds yeah. <laughs> he's a bodybuilder like, yo how is he supposed to be swinging from rooftop to rooftop you know light post dodging bullets midair <laughs> going 50 miles an hour swinging when he's got and bowling balls for biceps. And, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yo, that's... <laughs> Certain characters should not look like that. But it's not even just that. Look at a character like Forge, where even though his general oh, appearance yeah. is fairly similar, yeah. you'll, you'll see some runs where he's portrayed... Like, he's Native American. Yes. But you'll yes. see some runs where he's portrayed and where you'd swear to God, he was meant to be a black character. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. Where it's like... That's a fact. And it's like, man, you guys, I don't know what's going on, but like, he's meant to be like this Native American, a shaman type mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you made him look, and he, he's kind of varied from being slim to somewhat bulky. But right, like, it depends on the it, artist. It's, yeah. it's also been in a 
fairly acceptable range of still being in the same general shape. Right, right. But like, there's once where it's like they'll show him as clearly like not white but very light skinned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, to the next run, he looks like he's African. It's like, yeah, right. uh, that's that's not right. If you right. didn't know who the character was, you wouldn't know who the fuck this is in Fact. the first place. Like, on picture, you would not know who it was if you didn't see the word bubble. Hey, Forge, come over here. <laughs> and it's like, okay, there's... And that's things like some of these characters change appearance depending on the artist. And it's a drastic change. It's a jarring change. It's not even one that's it's, okay. It's, it's them trying different. to make their mark, that's but they're all. doing it in all the wrong ways. Facts. We need and y'all that, to stop doing that shit too, by And the way. that actually ties into what this next one <laughs> Yo, is when really I well. This, when I this is your Rob Liefeld character. <laughs> and we're talking everything in the 90s. Oh, man. Was heavily influenced by Rob Liefeld. Yes. yes. To the point where Rob Liefeld honestly believes and has stated that he single handedly saved the comics industry. And he he, and he even recently said that he's not going to save the industry again, even if you beg. And it's like, bro, you, you didn't save well, the you industry. didn't save it the first time. It's <laughs> like you, you you had a big influence. You're right, but you did not save the industry. But if you look at '90s comics, where you see these guys, where you barely see their legs, yeah, yeah, and when you do, they're they're still decent sized right but their upper bodies it's ridiculous are huge like their biceps have biceps which have biceps it was it was like to be honest it was terrible it was that you'd look at these characters whose chest from like to go from the back to the front of their chest was like four feet Dude, do you like, do you remember the their, their iconic arms are like three and a half feet thick. Do you their remember necks the iconic, are shoulder to shoulder. Do you remember the iconic Captain America? Uh, I I think I know the oh picture. Oh my! What was he doing? And that that is a Liefeld staple. But the other Liefeld staple is. Pockets and satchels and bags <laughs> everywhere. If you're, and it's one of the things that like he had a big hand in creating Deadpool yep. and in using yep. Deadpool. Yep. And it's yep. one of the things that, if you ever notice, Deadpool always has like a belt with like 13, 14 pockets on it, and then just can randomly reach into other pockets. Facts. That's that's a Liefeld stereotype. Look at Cable. He has, he has like the shoulders sash that has like 10 pockets in it. His pants have like, are basically full on cargo pants, except (laughs) not just two or three extra pockets. It's 10 extra pockets. 15 extra pockets. (laughs) He's got pockets on like the back of his shirt, pockets on the shoulder. His pockets have pockets. That is all rub. And it's like, yo, I'm. Your clothing is more pockets and more satchel than it is actual clothing. You know what's crazy about Rob Liefeld too? And when I when I found this out, I went, dude, why was my generation so douchey? He's only a year older than me. And I'm sitting there going, 
why? Why are you part of my whole, why? The idea that he thinks he saved the comic book industry? Really, Rob? 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 Let me tell you, when they did the whole uh, Pocket Dimension universe, you know, this was right after the um, Onslaught series where it appeared that the X-Men killed the Avengers and actually Franklin took them and put them in the pocket. Rob did all of that art right there. It was horrendous. I remember reading that shit going, I don't even want to read the story. This looks he's bad. Had some, he's had some works that are decent. Yeah. But he has so many works. There's a reason that the Rob Liefeld thing is a meme in the exactly, comic Exactly, exactly. There's a reason even Deadpool makes fun of it nowadays. Right, still. right, right. And it's like, yeah, it, it gets referenced. Spider-Man's made fun of it before. Like, not directly, but it's like one of those like it's odd jokes. It's almost breaking the fourth wall where he's like <laughs> watching. He'll be like watching TV or like reading a book it's like why do they always make the guys look like this you know and it's like a direct shot at liefeld and it's because nobody looks like that nobody looks like that nobody even professional bodybuilders don't Don't look look like like that (laughs) what the hell what is wrong with him what is wrong with him like schwarzenegger at his peak looks tiny compared to the, the way he draws these guys it's like yo no what human are can have you doing? that. He listen. So for the record, uh, Rob Liefeld does pockets on pockets and muscles on muscles. The guy's muscles has muscle. And then the 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 shoulder width, the shoulder width is com- completely absurd. Completely like each, each absurd. Each person is probably a brick house <laughs> and weighs about as much. Yeah. 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 Uh, Rob, and it's, it's ridiculous. You, you're absurd with that, Rob. And like, I don't know exactly. I don't know what is is Rob attached to a title now. Um, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, Let's. Thankfully, we have these things called uh, Google. Yeah, the Googles. The Googles, and as it stands, I do not believe. Oh, he he's attached as a writer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a penciler Okay. for IDW's Snake Eyes Dead Game, a G.I. Joe spinoff. Okay. So, a, as a penciler, he's kind of involved in the drawing. Yeah. He's doing the basics. See, that but, bothers me, though, because penciling is the basics. That, that's literally setting the foundation. For the yeah. character before they do everything else to it. So if his foundation, <laughs> but his big thing right now is he has his own podcast as it goes called Robservations. Mm. Creative and yeah, it's just basically <laughs> his opinions on everything going on. Like because that's what we want to hear. Rob Liefeld's opinion. I mean, there's there's a lot. Like he is a fairly big name. He does. He does know the general going-ons and everything else. Mm -hmm. So I can see why people would watch or listen to it and everything else. But yeah, he... 
that's basically what it is. He he basically talks about topics involved with the comics industry, so not necessarily discussing movies and comics yeah. per se, but like issues within the industry. And like he's even recently uh, called out DC just a little before this podcast. It may have been one of the things that led to him deciding to create it. Right. Where he's outright said DC Comics is going to dive off a cliff here real soon if they don't uh, get it together. I've never seen a company in as much disarray as DC Comics. Thank God they have Batman to act as their Tylenol, aspirin, and laughing gas. No shit. No shit. I mean, we talked about it on the show before. Um, Certain things don't look right over there, but we have a hope that it's just a restructuring streamline gets things and back in shape. And they are heavily cutting down everything. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully this streamlining process will help yeah. solve a lot of those issues. Let's hope because um, I don't want to see them fall off a goddamn cliff. Although it would be kind of funny to see Marvel buy them. But anyway, um, <laughs> Disney well, yeah, buy them. Like, offered- that would be kind of crazy. They've offered to sell to Marvel before, and yes, Marvel's like the only thing we want is Batman. Everything else you have is trash. <laughs> <laughs> we want your Batman, Batman-related villains, and that's it. That's it. Everything else, the, he, he, Batman and his villains will fit very nicely in the street level uh, corner of our universe. Um, it, it would definitely Batman. It it almost be like having. A slightly higher tier Daredevil. Yep. That's basically basically what you have. And you'd almost guarantee that Daredevil and Batman would have a team up at one point where they would have to kick the shit out of Punisher. Facts. Facts. And or Moon Knight. Facts. Oh, yep. But you know what, though? Maybe maybe it'd be the other way around because it's entirely possible that before they start giving Batman his props that he gets humbled. They, They humble him in the story. Um... I firmly believe that there are, like, I think there are characters that. Oh yeah, Punishers. But yeah, Punisher like, has that kind of prep time stuff. Yeah, like, remember there, there was that whole uh, Confederacy of Dunces mm-hmm, storyline, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where it was basically Wolverine, Daredevil, and Spider-Man teaming up to try and take down Punisher. Right. And Punisher just made them all look like jackasses. Yeah. So it, set them up so that they'd all start fighting and then realizing like Punisher was never going to kill the people. But if he made it look like he was going to kill right. the civilians, the three of them would immediately go to save the civilians, letting Punisher do what he was there to do wanted to do in the right. first place. Right. Right. And it's like, you could see that, but like you almost guarantee if they brought Batman in, given that Batman and, Daredevil are very similar style characters. Mm-hmm. Lost their parents when they were young, trained right. in martial arts. Right. Uh, Batman just trained, has money. Trained as ninjas and, and assassins. And shit. That's, that's pretty much Batman's thing. Yes, yeah, money. like they, they yeah. both trained as ninjas and assassins. They both have, you have the League of Assassins for Batman. You have the hand yep. for yep. Daredevil. Like, they're almost the same character yeah so, I would so like you could easily see 
Yeah, but Batman has money in tech. Yeah, and I don't that... think those senses are going to. Um, it's going to be. It's that's a hard thing to overcome. But then again, uh, where would Batman stand uh, financially? Again, I, I feel like they would bring Gotham City into. Yeah, if that's that what had I happened. They would have brought Gotham City into Marvel. That's what I think. So, with that in mind, that's what I think. You'd you'd still basically have Batman as he would be. He'd still be incredibly wealthy. Everything else, you'd probably see Wayne Enterprises or Wayne Tech as a competition to Stark tech. Stark yeah. Inter- Stark Enterprises, right? And later on, even in the modern sense, Parker Industries. Yep, Parker Industries. Yep. Yep. Like, it'd be in that range of tiers, so, like, he would be, I think he'd still be incredibly wealthy, but it was, like, that was the only character, and his rogues galley were the only characters Marvel wanted, and DC said, it's either all or nothing. And he was like, well, nothing. Because here's the thing, they already have a better version of Aquaman, Prince Namor. They already have more interesting versions of Superman, uh, Gladiator, Sentry. Like Hyperion, and to certain certain respects, Thor. So they don't really need, you know, that Wonder Woman. They I, they don't they don't necessarily have a Wonder Woman. They don't, but they could. Is, but they do have like again, Captain Marvel, mm-hmm, She Hulk. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have that type. They still have the very strong commanding female presence. And I always felt like Marvel drop the ball with Lady Sif. Lady Sif is your Wonder Woman. She has yeah. the God, the God whole God lineage thing. And all you got she already has the tools. She's a warrior. She knows how to fight. She already has the tools and the lineage to have been y'all Wonder Woman. But they underuse her all the time. Like now that's fair. They underuse her. Just like I'm gonna tell you the difference. And they have Quicksilver to flash. They have, they have... Yeah they have that. They have you know, that. Lex, Lex Luthor type. That's like half of Iron Man's villains. Facts, facts, facts plus text. Dark side Thanos. Come on, we don't need that. They don't necessarily have a Joker comparable. No, no, you don't. But, but you do have guys who have that kind of aspect to them. Jigsaw. Like, look at Jigsaw. Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? Uh, Bushmaster, I think it is the mercenary, yeah, the, mercenary. Like, the, moon, yep. the Moon Knight villain. That yeah, yeah. I literally carved his face off. Yeah, and for the record, that came before the whole Joker carved his face exactly. off thing. Hell, that was the Moon Knight say thing that, first. Um, Wolverine. Uh, this is another underused character. Uh, Bloodscreen. Uh, Bloodscreen could have been written as a bit more psychotic. He's a pseudo vampire to a degree. He was turned to a vampire by a, um, a witch doctor. He was on one of those old pirate. He was a pirate. And oh yeah, yeah. Like like um, so uh, to me, he'd be an even better Joker because he actually has powers and he's downright scary. Like he's he's pretty scary. So I don't know, man. It's it's things that um they don't need really need from DC. They don't need a Green Lantern core. They have an Nova core. They don't. Yeah, need, like you know there, what I'm there like, are a lot of comparisons and as a whole a lot of the characters in dc would not naturally fit they wouldn't they would not in the fit. marvel universe I agree. I agree. bat 
Batman wouldn't necessarily be a natural fit, but a lot of his villains yeah. would be good fits. I, I agree. I like, agree. again, having a Joker would be a good fit for characters like Moon Knight, mm-hmm. Punisher, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Daredevil. Mm-hmm. And even to a lesser extent, Wolverine. Mr. Freeze is a good fit for someone like Iron Man. Rex. Poison Ivy is just, a, in general, a good fit, but would definitely be a good fit for, again, someone like Iron Man, whose technology kind of laying waste. And yep. even though he's moving towards green technology, it would kind of fill that almost we sometimes team up thing that Batman and Poison mm-hmm. Ivy have. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of fit for Batman villains in DC or in the Marvel universe and Batman to a lesser extent. Yes. A lot of the other DC characters, not as much wonder woman. You could probably find a fit. You could work it into Hercules. Work it into gods of war. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And like, if, if you worked hard enough, you could absolutely work every character from either universe into the other one. Yeah. Yeah. But there's just do all that. There's just not a natural fit for a lot of yeah, those no characters. Do, no one's going to do all that. have to go through some contrivances and a lot of plot holes and things just to make things work. Yeah, don't, don't, they're not going to do Bat, all of that. That's too Batman much marketing money. have a lot of the natural fit and natural spots already. Right. Given the amount of characters in that tier that Marvel has without having necessarily that exact character exactly so again uh batman yes the rest of you guys no <laughs> like like no the rest of the guys no you stay your asses over there or some other company they probably farm them out to other companies but those ips are uh lucrative ips so i could i could see somebody purchasing them just to be able to keep making movies and animated shit with them i could definitely see that um, but yeah, folks, those, that is, these tropes aren't, we did want, we did the trope thing, the, the previous episode. And these, our very first episode was also origin tropes. Exactly. Like, there are a lot. This like, is not even a, be, yeah, going. like there's a whole bunch of these and, you know, from time to time, I think we should do them because, you know, I think these are, um. These are topics that I don't think a lot of comic book podcasts even talk about. They talk about the comic books themselves, the stories and everything like that, but the things that go behind to create crafting these stories and these characters, I think that's an important important element of the comic book thing. It's it's literally if you plan on being a writer, you should be familiar with some of these things. So, I, I find it fairly interesting and I think it's another way to another dimension uh, of a way to look at comic books and how they're constructed. But um, that is pretty much it for us this week. Uh, um, I want to thank everybody that takes the time out to listen to the show. Your participation is what helps us to continue to do this. You got anything coming up? Any blogs, anything coming up? Uh, not right now, but I mean, I do know, I believe you have some video recording. I do have some video recording coming up. I absolutely do. Um, from our um, excursion into the Marvel's Avengers, there's actually, I need some more footage too. And I'm going to tell you why, but not here on the show. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why I need, need some more footage. So uh, for my man, Super Side Guy, I am 
Tombstone the Dead Man. We are Metas and Mutants, and we are out of here. Stood basic morality and why something like that is clearly the wrong thing to do. That's And it's like her argument for it was terrible. It was terrible. And even after um, they found evidence that this is not She's still accurate. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> it's like it, come on, man. Like that shit wasn't. Yeah, yeah. So like that's a perfect example of how to do an event and how to not do an event when they're basically the same event. Right, right. Just slightly different cause of the event, but it's generally the same event. And you already and had a blueprint. One, one is perfection. Mm-hmm. Like, that was a top-notch crossover event in the first one. Absolutely, absolutely. And like I said, I've read read the entire, like, hundred stories in the actual chronological order they came out. Mm -hmm. And I did not regret doing that at all. Right, right. But two just did not handle that very well. And again, when you know you didn't messed up, right? when not only did the story not make sense, but you also screwed up the branding of a character, a very well-known character on there, which she was still answering for in later runs. It was being still answering for, to an extent, today. Yeah, you know what it I mean? It was also a big part of the criticism exactly. of using the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel for the movies. Exactly, exactly. And and I just I, I just thought that it was like what a, this to me should be the um the hallmark case against rushing a crossover story. Rushing and and not giving these people a chance doing it purely for marketing reasons. This should be the re- the reason that's always cited as to why you don't do that, because yeah. eventually you're going to make cuts and sacrifices in the narrative that will inevitably mess with characters that you could have branded differently and could have got a lot more uh, public support for, if not for that. Because I I'll be honest with you, I did not look at Carl the same way after the events of the Second Civil War. So I think they really hurt themselves doing that shit. So for the yeah. record, uh, comic book companies, like, cut that shit out. I know there's always going to be some sort of business demands that are there because at the end of the day, it's still a business. But I feel like you really harm your business more than help it when you do shit like that. I, that that's just how I feel about it. And again, we're going to stress... Nothing wrong with a crossover. Nope, nothing. There's nothing wrong with an event, even a major event. Exactly. But if you're going to do something like that, do it right. Do it Take right. the time. Yeah. And keep one consistent team on it. Exactly. And don't have all these different people who barely have an understanding of what the vision is of the people that came up with the idea. They're just adding their two cents worth in. And don't really know, yeah, that that's a recipe for a disjointed narrative. And again, if I'm going to end this by saying this. <laughs> if they can't capture all of those stories and put them in graphic novel form and it makes sense, you're probably doing something wrong over there. You're probably doing something wrong. All right. Yeah. Anyway, um, we appreciate you guys for um, 
taking the time out to listen to the show again. And um, one thing we, I have noticed with this show, because I'm actually in the process of doing um, quite a bit of podcast, but this one right here is a lot easier to do for me because my brain literally is soaked in comics and comic book related shit damn near daily. (laughs) So pulling up stuff like topics and stuff like that is not that difficult for me once I just get into that right frame of mind. So I really appreciate being able to do this. Um, Is there anything you got going on? Another blog or something you're writing? Uh, not at the moment, no. Alright, cool. Well, keep us abreast of that, and we'll let you know the moment we know. So, uh, for my man Super Side Guy, I am Tombstone the Dead Man. We are Metas and Mutants, and we are out. Peace. Peace.